What are the ingredients to the perfect dessert? I am a dessert aficionado. If you have any doubt, go to my Facebook page or Instagram or even Twitter. I am a dessert aficionado. Last night I was talking to uh, Edie and Maggie uh, at home, and I asked them, what are two ingredients that make dessert what dessert is? And uh, they offered their input, and they were right. This was really Maggie's uh, thought, because I was thinking, what makes uh, Congo squares Congo squares, or what makes chocolate chip cookies chocolate chip cookies? Uh, but Maggie cut through all that, and he said, she said, uh, well, you know, Daddy, what, what makes dessert the best for you is found in the ingredients of a Reese peanut butter cup. <laughs> yes, this is a Reese peanut butter cup. This is a half-pound Reese peanut butter cup. I got about 10 of these for Christmas. This is the last one. Oh, don't worry, I have other resources. Maggie and Edie uh, were going to eat dinner on Thursday night, and somebody was selling Girl Scout cookies out in front of the restaurant, and guess what they got me? And it's just for me. I'm sharing it with no one if I can get my hands on the box. Tagalongs. You know what tagalongs have? Same ingredients as Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Glorious, delicious, smooth, tasty peanut butter wrapped in majestic chocolate. Those are the two ingredients that make for the best dessert. You might have another, a differing opinion and you have a right to be wrong, but those are the two ingredients that make any dessert the best dessert, chocolate and peanut butter. Today we're looking at God's Word in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 20 all the way to chapter 5, verse 5. Only seven verses, but in those seven verses God gives us the two ingredients that make for an overcoming life, a victorious life, a triumphant life. And oh, how we need to know those two ingredients, how, how we need to know what it takes for us to be overcomers in a world that's filled with difficulty and challenge and danger and, and devastation and disappointment and COVID. We need to understand what are the ingredients that God gives us so that we can walk each day, live each moment of every day in the victory that He promises. As we look at these two ingredients, I want to call your attention first to what John has written before. We've been going through 1 John now for several weeks uh, since the beginning of 2021. And we're looking at uh, 1 John verse by verse and moment by moment and and uh, several weeks ago in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, uh, the Apostle John said, uh, gave us the two ingredients that we're going to look at today. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, he writes, this is God's commandment. Now, anytime you see commandment that comes from God, that's an important thing for us to look at. It teaches us how to live. It teaches us how to live victoriously and triumphantly, regardless of circumstances. 1 John 3, 23, and this is God's commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and that we should love one another as He gave us commandment. These are the two ingredients 
The two ingredients that God gives us to live in a triumphant way every single day is believing and loving. Believing and loving. Faith and love. These are the key ingredients that you need in your home. These are the key ingredients that you need at work. These are the key ingredients that you need in your everyday life. And it does not matter the circumstances that you face, the downturns that come your way. It doesn't matter the amount of disappointment or ferocious foes that come haunting you. Regardless what you may face, if you have this faith that we're going to look at and this love that we're going to look at, then you can be an overcomer. In fact, how John uh, concludes this section of his letter after, after after he breaks apart what it means to have faith and love, what he concludes with in verse 4 is this. He says, for whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. As you look at that verse and as you consider 1 John 3, 23, and as we unpack the rest of this section together today, I want you to understand what, what John's getting at and what we need to hear today is simple. It is God's love that awakens faith in our hearts so that we might become part of God's family. And once we become part of God's family, His love pulses in us and through us to guard us and to guide us so that whatever we may face, we can live triumphantly even as Jesus is triumphant. And say it in a different way. A family of faith wrapped in love overcomes the world. A family. A family born from faith that God awakens in our hearts, wrapped in the love that God has given us, overcomes the world, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In your life and in mine, in your home and in my home, it's your work or in my, in my work, it's your school or my school, in your everyday uh, details, when we have faith wrapped in love, we will overcome. Now, overcoming does not mean that we are free from difficult circumstances. That would not be overcoming. Overcoming implies one great truth. The world's going to be against you. Now, you don't hear me say that often, but that's the implication here. The world literally is going to be against you. Jesus talked about this, and Jesus said that uh, don't be surprised that the world is against you or the world hates you because the world hated Jesus. Now, there's an opposition that begins to uh, become ripened in our culture Uh, When the things of God are forgotten and the things of the world take center stage, then the people of God are going to find opposition. And yet in the face of that opposition that we've seen through cycles of history over and over and over again, that, that, that opposition is no match for God's people birthed by faith and walking in love. 
So let's unpack this passage and let's see how these ingredients work together, how you have this wonderful mixing of faith and love, this wonderful uh, 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 work of God's faith and, and, and God's love in our lives so that we live by faith and we walk in love. And see how that unpacks in these verses. And the first thing I want us to see is that God's love triggers life-changing faith in us. God's love triggers. Now, you may have different triggers. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about what God's love does in the face of the triggers that we might have. What God's love does in the face of our circumstances, in the face of our sinfulness. God's love awakens life-changing faith in us. I want us to begin in... 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, just the very first phrase. 1 John 5, 1, uh, John writes, Whoever believes, that's a faith word, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And just stop there. Now, uh, whoever believes, whoever has faith that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, what is he talking about here? Well, he's talking about what God's love sent Jesus to accomplish. God's love sent Jesus on a rescue mission for sinners like you and me. And, and God's, God's uh, uh, love sent, sent Jesus on this rescue mission to, uh, uh, from heaven's throne to be born in a manger and a stable, fully God yet fully man. And he sent Jesus on this rescue mission uh, to live as uh, a human being, yet fully God, on this earth in perfect obedience to the will of God. And Jesus did just that. And Jesus uh, walked this earth and he performed great miracles and he unveiled for the watching world and for his disciples what the kingdom of God should really look like and the kind of life that everyone longs to have. Uh, Jesus battled the forces of darkness and the devil and the forces uh, that sin had awakened on the earth and Jesus conquered them all. And yet Jesus determined that he would do something out of love for sinners like you and me. Jesus went to a cross. And he died a death, not because he deserved it, not because there was something in him that was lacking, not because he was disobedient to God. No, Jesus died on a cross to be the payment price for our sin, to, to provide a pathway for us to be forgiven our sin. He was buried, and three days later, he was raised from the dead to give us a chance at becoming new creatures in Christ, to be born again, to be born of God. And that's what uh, we read earlier in 1 John when, when John writes, uh, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son, Jesus, to be the payment price for our sin. God's love sends Jesus on a rescue mission. But that, that rescue mission is also something that is offered to us, but it's applied to our lives by faith. And God's love not only sent Jesus on a rescue mission, but his love awakens in us the eyes and the ears and the heart to believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the only one who can bridge the distance between us and God that our sin has created. It, 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 God's love awakens in us uh, the heart and the mind and the eyes to see and to believe 
that, that apart from Jesus, I have no hope. I'm lost in my sin. I'm separated from, from the promises of God. I, I live on this earth empty and incomplete, dead in my sin and in my trespass. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin and our trespasses, he sent Jesus to die for us in our place upon a cross, to be raised from the dead so that we might find life through faith, faith in him. It's God's love that opens our eyes and opens our hearts to to believe and to see Jesus is our only hope, our only hope for rescue in this life, our only hope for rescue for eternity, our only hope in our family, in our work, in our world. Our only hope is Jesus, none other, just Jesus. The only way that you and I can have an upside, uh, a right side up uh, world and an upside down uh, culture is through Jesus Christ. He and he alone must be the object of our faith for he is our only hope and God's love opens our eyes and awakens us to see and to receive. That's how John began the letter uh, in, uh, in, in chapter 2. Uh, John said, Oh, behold, what manner, what measure, what unconceivable um, grandeur. God's love has been lavished upon us that we who once were far from God are now called sons and daughters of God. There has to be a transformation in our life. That's what faith does. Faith transforms us from the inside out. There are many people who come to church, and they come to church every week. There are many people who live good lives and live moral lives and do religious things and moral things, and they are not born from God. They're not. Now, it, it, it's not going to church that makes you part of God's family. It's not doing good stuff that makes me part of God's family. It's not being a religious person that makes me part of God's family. It's not saying my prayers or, or going through the rosary or getting dunked in a tub or sprinkled by the priest. None of those things, none of those things make us part of God, God's family. There's only one way. Only one way. And that's through faith in Jesus Christ. And God's love gives us that faith so we can believe that Jesus is our only hope. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ. Not doing religious stuff. Not being a moral man or woman. Only through faith. And that faith does something to us. It's a life-changing faith when we place our faith in Jesus. God's love opens our eyes and our heart to see and to receive Jesus as the Christ. Jesus is my only hope. In that moment, there's a change that takes place in me. I'm no longer the same. I'm not who I once was. In biblical language, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see. I was dead. But now I am fully alive. There's a transformation that takes place. It changes who we are. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 it says, If you're in Christ, you're a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. When we are changed by God's grace, because we place our faith in Jesus as our only hope, 
then we get a new heart. We get a new mind. We get a new way of living. We get new priorities. And those, those aren't moral things. Those are relational things. God changes me. And for every person in this room who has experienced that life-changing faith, it has to change the way you live. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But there are some here today, uh, online and in the room, and, and, and you've been a good religious person or a good moral person, but you have never had that transformation. Today I pray that God would, by his love, give you the faith to believe that Jesus is your only hope. That you would come to him in surrender and submission and repentance. And you would cry out to him, oh Jesus, save me a sinner. And in that wondrous transaction of God's love and grace, he'll take you and he'll transform you. There's no doubt. If you walk in darkness and all of a sudden you get into the light, there's no doubt. There's that light moment. There's no doubt if you were lost, wandering in the wilderness, in the woods, and, and you're lost, and then all of a sudden you get to the trailhead and you know where you are, there's no doubt that you are found. If you were dead, and then you start breathing again, there's no doubt. There's no, there's no gray area between dead and alive, between lost and found, between blind and seeing. Oh, friends, in the same way as followers... As people who have gathered here, there's no doubt when God, by His love, gives you the faith to believe on Jesus as your only hope, and you are changed, transformed, there's no doubt about it. You know it. In my own experience, I, I remember the, the weight of the world on my shoulder and in my heart and how painful it was and how what a struggle it was before I came to know Jesus, and I was a good, good preacher's kid. Well, as good as a preacher's kid could be. And I would, I, I mean, I did all the right stuff that the church wanted, you know, wanted me to do. And I, 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 I only said bad words in my brain. I didn't say bad words out loud, you know. And still have some of that. But anyway, true confession. But, I, I mean, I was a pretty good kid. But it wasn't enough to overcome the sin that had separated me from God until I met Jesus, until I saw Jesus as my only hope, until I had my eyes and my heart open to see and to receive Jesus as my king. In that moment, everything changed. And there's no doubt. I don't know the exact time. I can plot it. I don't know the exact day. I know it was a particular day, but there's no doubt on that day and that time, I moved from darkness to light, from lost to found, from dead to alive. Have you experienced that? If you haven't experienced that, can I, can I just beg you, please, choose Christ today. Come to Him. Even now, if there's a yearning in your heart to, to find life through Christ, that experience that life-changing faith that brings you into God's family, and God is opening your eyes and opening your heart to believe. Choose Christ today. 
If you're in the room and you are a follower of Jesus and you've experienced that transformation, can I ask you, why then are you acting so fearful? Oh, why are you living in the fearful anxieties that this world is bigger and badder and meaner than the God who has rescued you? Imagine the disciples. I mean, just, and they had their own moments, and, and I have my own moments of fearful living, right? And, and I do, and I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying that, that, that I don't, but, but imagine the disciples. Here are the disciples, and every day they walked with Jesus. They followed after him, and every day they experienced victorious miracles right in their midst, right in their face. They saw how Jesus dealt with life. And Jesus, confronted by leprosy, he healed it. Jesus, confronted by blindness, he gave sight. Jesus, confronted by people lame, and he gave power to their legs to walk. Jesus, confronted by men uh, possessed by uh, forces of darkness, demons, he cast the demons out. Jesus, confronted by wind that blew and waves that crashed, and Jesus calmed the storm. Jesus, confronted by sin itself, and he died for, for our sins so that we might be forgiven. Jesus who confronted death in his life and death in his own death. He, Jesus went to the cross and he stretched out his arms and he died for sinners and he was placed in a tomb and yet he knew that even death could not hold him. And Jesus when he was confronted by sin, death, and the hordes of hell, he looked them square in the face and he vanquished them all and he was raised from the dead so that he might be victorious. And we are followers of Jesus, and we walk hand in hand with Jesus every single day, and yet we tremble when somebody says something ugly about us because we're followers of Jesus. Why? The way we become overcomers is we have to understand that God in his love gives us a life-changing faith that brings us into his family. You're not just a member of a church. And you're not going it alone as a follower of Jesus. No, you're part of the, you're part of the family of God. And God has taken ownership for you. This this life-changing faith isn't just to get us to heaven. It's a life-changing faith that gets us through living here and now. Do you realize that God has brought you into his family and Jesus has stretched out his hand to you today to walk hand in hand with him so that if we walk hand in hand with him, we can be victorious. Life-changing faith is for everyday living, not just for heaven when we get there. When we walk hand in hand with Jesus, we are walking in the midst of everyday miracles. And I know that we are so earthbound. And I know that we are so consumed with how we can manipulate circumstances and do politics and, and, and navigate uh, economics and, 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 and relational things. And we, we figure out how we can navigate all those things. And, and we wonder why it is we're so frustrated and so disappointed and coming up short all the time. Maybe, just maybe, it's because we are not living in the life-changing faith that we were saved by. God's love triggers a life-changing faith faith in us that 
brings us into his family so that we can walk and live every single day secure in his embrace. And even when the lions and tigers and bears attack, we will overcome because we're hand in hand with Jesus. God's love triggers life-changing faith. Secondly, life-changing faith shapes our lives with victorious love. So here we are, this life-changing faith, God's love awakens a life-changing faith in us that brings us into his family so that we can walk every single day in his embrace. But then it shapes our everyday life with this victorious love on how to live and what to do. We see this in in verses 2 and 3. 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love the children of God, uh, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. We've been brought into a new life through faith in Jesus Christ, and it produces in us a new heart with the capacity and the desire to please God. Now, what is John saying here? He's saying, well, your life as part of God's family should be shaped by love. And love is not a song that we sing. Love is a commitment that we fulfill. And that commitment is obedience to God's commands. Now, everybody look this way. I want you to hear this really clearly. If you say you love God, but you don't obey Him, you're lying. If you say you love God, but you don't obey Him, you're lying. That's not Eric Thomas. If you go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, that's what he's saying. God commands us to love others. If we say that we love God and we hate our brother, which is the opposite of loving others, we are a, what's the word? Liar. Pseudos. I just thought I'd throw a little Greek in so that you'd be impressed. John wants us to understand that if we say that we're part of God's family, then we're going to live like we're part of God's family. This life-changing faith Uh, that brings us into God's family, also shapes our everyday life with love. Verse 2 here is is almost like uh, when the attorney came to Jesus and said, uh, Jesus, what is the greatest of all commandment? And Jesus said, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. second like unto it is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. That's obedience to his commands. And that's kind of what he's talking about here. Friends, if we say we love God, then we must obey God. To borrow from WandaVision. There is a quote last week that Vision told to Wanda. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just be okay. And the quote is, what is grief but love persevering? I, I, I want to change that. What John is saying here is, what is love, uh, what is obedience but love persevering? What is obedience? 
What is obedience to God? It's not following a set of rules. It is showing our love for the one who has loved us greatly. What is love? It's obeying God. And what does God command us to do? To love others. God commands you to love others, even those who are unlovely. It's easy for us to hate people that don't like us. It's easy for us to curse at the person who cuts us off on the highway. But a life-changing faith is shaping your life for a different way of doing things. You don't hate the one that hates you. You don't hate the one that's unkind to you. Rather, you love them. Even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. And that's what God's love does to us. God's love changes the way we do life. And the way we do life now is built on this love that God has given us. And, 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 and last week we looked at 1 John chapter 4.18. And verse 4, 18, chapter 4 verse 18 says that, that there is no fear in love because perfect love, what does it do? Casts out fear. It overcomes fear. Fear makes us do crazy things, especially in relationships. Somebody says something ugly about us out of fear or insecurity or anxiety. We're going to fight back. And, and, and again, uh, I, I've been there. I've done that. We'll do it again. But, but when I am being shaped by this life-changing faith where I trust God more than I trust myself, then that love that He has poured into my heart and that love that shapes my living then begins to define how I relate to people that even the people that make me fearful or insecure. I'm no longer basing my actions upon how I feel or how another feels about me. Now I'm basing my actions upon what God says and how God has loved me. I'm going to obey his command. So I'm not going to respond to people that demean me with demeaning words. I, I'm not going to respond to someone uh, who is made in the image of God in a way that, that disrespects them. I'm not going to. Listen, we need to be a people showing honor and kindness and grace and goodness, even to those who don't believe in God. That's what love does. Instead, we hold up our banner and we say, I believe this. And if you don't believe it, then, then I'm going to take you on. I'm going to take you down. And I'm going to treat you like dirt. Friends, God nowhere condones that kind of behavior. Rather, we are to love. Now, what does that mean? If you look over in James chapter 2, and you don't have time to turn there, but James chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, he said, Here, here's what I want you to understand. James writes, he said, he said, do you really love someone if you say to a person who is in need, uh, I'll pray for you, go on? And James says, no. You really love someone when you put feet to your prayer and help them. We actually do something. You know, love takes on a different dimension when we start living our lives the way God's love is shaping us. As Jesus has loved us, we love others. Are you loving like that? Or are you looking around and, and, and looking at your life through the lens of who is for me and who is against me? And if you're against me, I'm taking you out. 
Well, you might say, well, I, you don't understand, Eric. I, 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 I'm, I'm afraid if we don't defend ourselves, and I've heard this a thousand times, if we don't defend ourselves, then everything's lost. Seriously? Is that what you get from God, being part of his family? If you don't defend yourself, everything's lost? Is that the idea that Scripture teaches? Is that what we find here in this passage? Absolutely not. Our dependence is not on how we can fight a battle. Our dependence is upon the God who is shaping our life with faith so that we love others the way he has loved us. Our dependence is not upon what we can do to culture at large and society in general. Our dependence, our trust, our confidence is in the God who has brought us into his family so that every day we submit ourselves to him, we live loving him by obeying his commands and loving others the way he has loved us. And we trust him to bring the victory, just as he did with Jesus. When did we start thinking that the battle was mine to win? It's not. The battle belongs to the Lord, and we belong to him, so we're okay. Well, I don't, I, you don't understand, Eric. You don't, you don't understand the warp and woof of our culture. Oh, come on. Of course I understand. Do I feel comfortable at times? No. But friends, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm going to preach the truth regardless of what culture or government or anybody else does. I'm going to preach truth in love. I'm going to wrap love. Uh, I'm going to wrap my faith in the wonderful love that God has given me. And I'm going to tell the truth. And if that means I go to jail or I get fined or whatever, so be it. No biggie. Being an overcomer doesn't mean that life is a bed of roses. Being an overcomer means that we live for God's glory even when it's not okay. What some of us are fighting for is the bed of roses. And we're pretending like it's a spiritual journey. And it's not. You know what? is true and undefiled religion? Loving people the way God has loved you. That's obeying the command. Okay? So, God's love triggers a life-changing faith. That life-changing faith shapes our lives with victorious love that casts out fear and casts out hate. And then, the faith born from God's love makes us overcomers. That, that faith that awakened in us to see Jesus as our only hope becomes the faith that gives us victory every single day. That's verses 4 and 5, and I want you to hear it. Uh, verse 4 and 5, John writes, For whatever is born of God, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? If you get nothing else out of this message, get this. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. So put your hand in his hand and take each step in faithfulness.
loving others the way He has loved us because that's what it means to love God. Encouraged and strengthened every step of the way because you are sons and daughters of God. And Jesus will take us step by step through the twists and the turns, the ups and the downs, the good times and the bad times, and we will overcome. When did we, when did we start thinking that the God who parted Red Seas and moved mountains stopped doing that? When did we start conditioning our obedience to what we can manage rather than conditioning our obedience with absolute abandon to the love of God? When did we start deciding, well, you know, I know that God wants me to do that, but if I do that, this is going to result, and that's going to be a bad thing. So I'm going to manipulate, and I'm going to maneuver, and I'm going to navigate, and I'm going to, I'm going to hedge my bets because I don't want to go all in with God because I see that we're living in the 21st century, and if I make this decision, it's going to cost me here, and I don't want to really pay that price. So I'm going to, I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to give him partial obedience, which is full disobedience, and I'm going to act like I'm being spiritual. That's not the way to be an overcomer. That's the way to be a good politician. If you're part of God's family, the way to be an overcomer is this. This is what God wants me to do. There are mountains in my way. There are seas that are blocking my path. The way looks dark and daunting. I'm sure there's going to be disappointment in front of me, and I know there's going to be opposition and even hostility as I take that next step. But this is what God has called us to do. And so I'm going to be obedient to Him. I'm going to, I'm going to live by this life-changing faith that has rescued me from sin's embrace. And I'm going to believe that Jesus himself is going to part the seas and move the mountains, give sight to the blind and healing to the hurting. I believe that Jesus is going to lead us step by step. And even if I'm in a den of lions, ravenous and hungry, I'm going to believe that God is going to shut the mouths of the lions because this is what he's called us to do. And even if even if I see a hot and fiery furnace heated up a hundred times more than ever before, and, 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 and I know that I'm going to be thrown into that furnace, I believe that he's going to send Jesus into that furnace with me, and he's going to protect me, and not a hair of my wilting hair on my head is going to be singed. I believe that God is for me, and there is nothing that hell can throw at me that is going to defeat me as long as I'm being obedient to him. How about you? Instead of living like we're trying to navigate life with our own intellect, let's start living in pure obedience to the loving God who has given us life and brought us into his family, and let's trust him. And even if we lose our lives, we will still overcome. Let's pray together. Well, God in heaven, we thank you that you've been gracious to us by sending Jesus to rescue us. 
I pray for those in the room today that there are some in the room and online who have yet to embrace you as Savior and King, and I pray that you'd give them the faith they need. Awaken in their heart and in their mind that life-changing faith that would give them the courage to just punch that button online and say, I need to become a follower of Christ, or text Jesus to the number on the screen and say, I need to become a follower of Jesus, or email pastor at First Norfolk and say, I, I need to become a follower of Jesus. If, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice who is uncertain about their relationship with you, uncertain that they move from death to life, I pray, oh God, by your grace that you would draw them to yourself, open their eyes, open their heart to receive you, give them the faith that they need so that they would have the courage to overcome their anxiety and fear and say yes to you right now. And Father, for those of us who have gathered here in person and online who are part of your family, who have been transformed by your grace, I pray that you would give us a new vision of how we live our lives, no longer um, trembling and quaking, but now courageously stepping forward based upon that life-changing love that has brought us into your family, uh, life-changing faith that has brought us into your family so that we might love you and love others with abandon so that we might be overcomers that you've equipped us to be, that we would take each step hand-in-hand with you. And now, Father, as we sing this closing song together, as we focus upon that great chasm that you overcame, that chasm created by our sin, that you overcame through that love-sent rescuer named Jesus. Pray that you would shape our thinking and our living in these moments. Be glorified as you transform my life and our lives today by your great grace. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.